Hey everyone, you're tuned into InfoQuench with Jeff and Amy. Join us as we talk about anything and everything. All the stuff that makes life interesting. So let's get to it. Hey everybody, you're listening to InfoQuench with Jeff and Amy. And today's podcast is all about drinking. Well, sort of. Not drinking and getting sloshed, but the origins of the names of certain drinks. That's right. We're going to be talking about the origin of common cocktail names. And any of those cocktails, you could get sloshed if you want to, or you could just have one. It's up to you. It's your life, people. Yes, it is your life. What would you say is one of the most common cocktail names? Well, I think this whole idea for this episode came about when we were discussing the origin of one of your latest and greatest favorite drinks, the Moscow Mule. Yes, the Mo- which I've actually renamed the Nicaraguan Mule because I use Nicaraguan rum instead of vodka. But yes, it consists of vodka, uh, ginger beer, the spicier the better, and a little bit of lemon juice. Lime. Lime juice. I, I like using lemon juice, though. Yeah, lemon limes. What's yep. the difference, really? And, and then you just put a lot of ice and you shake it up really nice. So this one has a very interesting story, and when I was searching for the origin of drink names, some drinks have very straightforward stories. Others have a lot of people trying to lay claim to the names of cocktails. Right, there's a big, uh, you know... There's some debates going on. there's some debates going on. So I'll I'll give you some, and uh, yeah, just take that all with a grain of salt. But this one around the Moscow Mule uh, seems to be pretty consistent, the story behind it, and it involves the mule and the copper mug. So uh, if you've ever ordered a Moscow Mule in a, in a uh, an establishment, you'll notice it's served in sort of a signature copper, cop- mug. copper yeah. mug. You're right. I do have noticed that. Yes. But I've, you know, we, yeah, no, I never really noticed it until just now. Like, you know what I mean? When I got it, I wasn't like, oh, a copper mug. But now that you say it, it has always come in a copper mug and I never even really paid too much mind of it. Anyway, go ahead. Well, you will now. So I this will. is how it all started. Back in 1941... A lady named Sophie Berezinsky was a woman on a mission. She'd actually immigrated to the U.S. from Russia. Okay. And she had 2,000 solid copper mugs. So her father had owned and operated a a a copper factory in Russia. Okay. um, Known as the Moscow Copper Company. Very well named. Yeah, very. (laughs) Um, And so in Russia, she'd sort of created the design for this copper mug, the original copper mug that's so famously linked to the Moscow Mule. And her father ran the presses that stamped out the mugs. Ah. So the one tool, though, that her father and she both lacked was sales skills. And they weren't able to sell the mugs in Russia. So she made the decision to go to the U.S., and uh, and try her luck there. So, after some time, she had no luck. Right, no luck whatsoever. <laughs> no luck. And she began desperately, you know, just searching out a buyer. And she happened to walk into the Cock and Bull Pub. I can't make these names up. Really? But, yeah, a pub named uh, the Cock and Bull. Where? Uh, this state? is in the. It's in the states. You don't know what state though. I I don't know what specific state. Okay. I'm just, uh, yeah, no, I don't know what specific state. Okay. Um, and it was just the perfect day where she ran into a Mr. John Martin who had recently purchased Smirnoff Vodka Distillery. Ah. And he was having a lot of trouble selling vodka. He was also successful head of the, the company that imported A1 sauce. 
Interesting. Which, so uh, they just teamed up and they made... And, yeah, so he basically, she got to talking with, with Jack Morgan about Smirnoff. And then the owner of the Cock and Bull Pub was also trying to introduce his own brand of ginger beer. Oh, wow. So essentially the three of them got together and came up with the drink and how they could combine it into her copper mugs. So they basically spent hours just sort of developing the drink and created the cocktail. And so the Moscow Mule was born back in 1941. 1941. And I just recently discovered them, to be honest. I, I, I haven't been drinking them for too long. So it's the, you know, the perfect combination of the vodka and the ginger beer and the lime. And it's housed in a solid copper mug that kept the drink cool. Oh. And, it, and it's said to, in the copper is said to enhance the flavor and the aroma. Huh. And it became very, very popular, and the rest is history. What about one of your favorite drinks, which is sangria? Is there any story behind that? Well, you just can't randomly throw drinks at me. You have to... Okay. Yeah, right. I I can't do that. But you can't randomly throw drink names at me. There are a lot of drinks. (laughs) We've got a half an hour. I don't think I've ever thrown a drink at you. No, you haven't. This isn't reality TV, folks. (laughs) There's no drink throwing. But the name Moscow Mule, I guess you can say Moscow... It's quite obvious because it came from that Moscow company definitely, uh, where the copper mugs were developed. And then the mule, uh, well, people say it's just because the ginger beer gives it a kick of flavor. Yeah, that's true. So that's what people speculate um, the name came from, but it was said to just be randomly selected after the those three individuals Isn't got drunk on an afternoon at I the love Cock that. and Bowl. I love that. I love it when a plan comes together. They're like the, uh, they're like the drink ingredient A-team, you know? They all came together and made something that's still... Still going these days, you know. You can go to pretty much any bar and get a Moscow mule. Well, not, yes. Not too many can you get a Nicaraguan mule, though. No, that's With the, that's homegrown. Yeah, no, that's good some stuff. Some homegrown goodness. Try it, people. Like I told you, get uh, what is what is the name of the the, the rum again? I, I could, Kaz- Florida Cana. Florida Cana. That's it. Florida Cana rum. The older the better, and the darker the better. Then spicy ginger beer, and then lime juice, and then. Yeah, ice. And love. And love. Mix it all up. So when looking at cocktail names, and there were specific ones I looked up, so don't just be throwing ones at me. Sangria. And no, I didn't <laughs> I didn't torture myself with a numbered list of cocktail okay, names. Okay, so you're just, we're just going to try to get through however many we can. So, But in doing it, I was interested about the origin of the word cocktail. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. I have no idea. I bet you don't dare guess. I No. I, I <laughs> Does it have something to do with the bird? A bird, maybe? No, that's what I thought, too. But according to chowhound.com, and again, there's a lot of different ideas around this, but they did a, quite a thorough analysis, and they felt that this is the, the, this is the where quintessential. it came from. So uh, a perky cocked up, cocked, which is where the cocktail comes from, or raised up tail on a horse, like on a uh, racing horse. Yeah. It's a sign of vim and vigor. Ah. So unscrupulous horse traders... Those unscrupulous horse traders. In the 18th century, they'd put ginger and or pepper in a place that horses surely didn't want it. Up their butts. They put, yep, they put some ginger or pepper up their butts in order to make them seem more frisky because it would make their tails perk up and people buying the horses would say, oh, look. This one's got lots of energy. Yes. We're going to call him Pepper. So, and it just so happens that ginger and pepper were also common ingredients that were used to liven up some alcoholic drinks at that time. So by extension, people started to say, 
um, cocktail. cocktail. Interesting. Because, like cocktail of the horse. And eventually oh. they started to, you know, expand that and they would use, make drinks with uh, a lot of different um, bitters and, and uh, you know, just, a, but the, the name cocktail from the cocked yeah. up tail of the horse stuck around because of that, uh, yeah, ginger or pepper <laughs> stimulant yeah. that, uh, yeah, so... That's some tricky business, those horse traders. That is some tricky business. I thought they're looking at their teeth, but I guess they're looking at their yeah. tails. Yeah, maybe they're not looking, but they're just like, they're they're noticing that they have a little bit more pith and vinegar in them <laughs> when it's actually pepper. Here's an easy one. Butt pepper. Yeah. Um, Give me an easy one. Mai Tai. Mai Tai. No, I I have to, I don't know. I hope you're not going to quiz me on all these because I don't know the origins. Oh of no, no, I'm not. Oh no. okay, I you're, dare you're do talking that. to our leaders. I mean, our listeners. Our leaders. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor, take me to your leader. The mai tai was invented in uh, in California in the 1940s. Mm. A lot happened in the 1940s. Yeah, a lot mm-hmm. of drinking. Yep, people coming, you know, coming out of the uh, the depression and mm-hmm. yeah, maybe they were smack dab and. Just in, in into the cocktail making. Anyways, I digress. <laughs> I don't know where you're going with that. I don't know either. Um, yeah, the Mai Tai actually just, it means good or nice in Tahitian. That's it? Yeah. It means good. What What good is in nice. a Mai Tai? Or uh, you... It's made of rum and uh, fruit juice. Fruit, just regular fruit juice? Like yeah. It's not something that punch. we have in a lot of bars here around St. Johnny Brunswick. No. I don't think it's a... I think it's probably a bar standard, but usually when people go down south, maybe there are south. some great bars in St. John too that that are distinctly focused on making great cocktails. And one is uh, Port City Royal. They always have amazing drinks there, and they also have great drinks at um, uh, the Scotch place. Yes, hopscotch. Hopscotch. That's it. Yeah. Yes, they got. So, they've got some great. We've got great mixologists in the city. Is yeah. that what they're called? Mixologists. Mixologists, or yeah. There's probably some other fancy name. I think for that's it. a pretty good one, though. But they make some damn good drinks. They make some freaking good drinks. They do indeed. The screwdriver. Yeah. You know what a screwdriver is? No. Well, the well it's orange juice and vodka, isn't it? it? Yes, it yeah. is. So, according to Business Insider, decades ago there were American oil workers in the Persian Gulf. And uh, they would discreetly add vodka to their orange juice while they were on the job. And because they didn't have spoons handy, they would often use a screwdriver to stir up the drink. Uh, and that's that where the name is supposedly uh, has come from. So it could go back even as far as World War II. Yeah. But the idea was that it was named because screwdrivers were used to mix them up. I have to say, honey, this is a fascinating uh, topic for a, a podcast. Oh, well, thank I, you. I, I really find this interesting because there's, these are like names that we use quite often loosely, but, uh, there's, there's a story behind them and they're quite interesting. I just had, oh, I just had like some bad flashbacks around drinking screwdrivers. screwdrivers. Yeah. Ooh. For me, it's just vodka straight. (laughs) Screwdrivers are rough. Before dances. Oh, I mean, champagne and, uh, you know, a, a nice champagne and vodka combination. Or not champagne, sorry. Champagne and orange juice uh, combination for a mimosa is nice. But, yeah, uh, mimosas are nice. But the screwdriver, that's a little heavy. Mm-hmm. Speaking of mimosas, so they are um, usually done with, uh, we use champagne, but you can use any kind of sparkling wine um, and fruit juice. And it's often drank uh, at brunch. Mm-hmm. And oh, do you remember when we were at the resort and I went in behind? And yes. <laughs> there was and an there, unmanned, there was an unmanned uh, you're not allowed. bar or there was just basically there was bottles of open champagne and orange juice on 
the buffet. And so I went over and started pouring my own mimosa and I was scolded. You were scolded quite. Apparently you're not allowed to just free pour your own mimosas. Nope. So they don't want the guests doing anything. There's that. A little embarrassing, but I got my mimosa in the end. Yep. It's actually, uh, so it's named um, after the name of a plant. There's like a mimosa tree and it grows bright orange flowers uh, that are said to be around the same color as what a mimosa would be. Oh, wow. If you think of it, you've mixed champagne and orange juice, that similar color. I never, you know, so it's, it's funny because the color. I've known that that's been called a mimosa for the longest time. I never even once thought, why is it called a mimosa? No. Now I know. Now you know. It's a tree or a plant. Interesting. It is. These are great, you know, if you're drinking a, a it's a good, it's good cocktail conversation, right? We should do a, a photo of a mimosa tree or plant and then say, do you know what drink this is? Yes. Yeah. Just coming up with ideas. Thanks, honey. And those who listen to the podcast, you know, will know. They'll know what this plant is. That's right. Speaking of drinks named for color, there's also the Bellini. Bellini. I have no idea what even that is. Like, I've never had one. It's it's usually done with um, like a a sparkling beverage with uh, like a peach puree. Oh, okay. Or so it could be like um, prosecco. Okay, would be a common one to mix and, and peach puree or, or some other kind of fruit puree. But I found peach bellinis are the most common. Okay, and they're very yummy. Yeah. Another great brunch beverage. Never had one. It's What's... interesting that there's certain drinks that you can drink, and it's okay to day drink them. Well, oh, yeah. it's more like mimosas are morning drinks. Mo- yeah. Oh yeah. Breakfast. Mimosas, Caesars. Yeah. Caesars are like a salad, really. Mm-hmm. Well, they are. I guess there's a Caesar salad, but they're yeah. Sometimes now they come with the pickled beans and the celery and it's yeah. a whole meal in a glass. Yep. Plus you're getting your clam How did that one get its name? Caesar? Or oh, well, I'll get to that in a minute. Okay, I thought so. I know. I went on my own tangent. So the Bellini was uh, was named after, well, the invent the inventor of the actual beverage was uh, Giuseppe Cipriani, who's a founder of a bar in Venice. Venice. Harry's Bar. And he named the drink because he said there was a similar color often used by the Venetian artist Giovanni Bellini. So it's named mm, after the artist. Named after an artist. Who used a, uh, he commonly used a color. And what is the color? Like, peach, I guess, eh? Yeah, it would be yeah. close to like a peach color. Interesting. So that's where the Bellini What is the from. alcohol choice on that again? Vodka? Uh, well, often or Prosecco. Prosecco. Oh, yeah, okay. Or some gotcha. sort of sparkling Yeah, sparkling champagne wine. you could use, maybe. All right. Oh, yes. So let's talk about the Caesar. Yeah, Caesar. This one. Does it have to do with historical guy Caesar? No, I would have thought that too. I think that that's a pretty common. But do you remember we went to see Jim Gaffigan? We were lucky Mm -hmm. enough to see uh, he was performing here in St. John, New Brunswick. At the uh, the, TD uh, Center. TD Station. Station. (laughs) Right. It's true. (laughs) It's all good. He was, you know, and one of the things he commented about was that he had had a Caesar and he heard it was Canada's national cocktail. Mm. So I found that fascinating and I wanted to learn a little bit more about it. Is it? Well, according to the Globe and Mail, it's been described as both a national treasure and a fixture of Canadian life. Um, So whether we call it a national cocktail or not, I don't know, but I'd say it is. Clamato juice is just out of this world to Americans. They just don't get it at all. 
Well, yeah. Or so anybody. I think I may have far. told this story on another episode, but I was in uh, Old Orchard Beach and I was at a bar and I ordered a Caesar. <laughs> yeah, and they had no idea what it was. And I hmm. saw that they had a, you know, I'm like, it's like kind of like a Bloody Mary, but it's made with Clamato juice. And she, the waitress is like, what's Clamato juice? And I'm like, well, oh, it's. <laughs> having to explain it's it. It's like tomato juice, but it has clam juice in it. And she's like, clams have juice and then i was like oh i just better order something else because the whole visual just and she's became like, really disgusting clams have juice and you want to drink it i know just picture like how do you get the juice out of the clams are you wringing them out are they going through like is it like what how you juice a lemon i don't know but it's not it's, it's not a good odd. visual it's odd to me that that in out of all things is a distinctively canadian attribute so it was created in calgary and Again, lots of lots of different stories around this, but the most popular story, according to the Globe and Mail, is that Walter Chell um, was born in Montenegro um, to a countess who died during his birth, and then he was raised in an Italian orphanage by Jesuits. <laughs> he then learned the hotel business in Switzerland before immigrating to Canada with his wife, and he worked at the Calgary Inn. What quite a history this guy has, yeah. eh? Um, and he was asked to create a new cocktail for the 1969 opening of Marco's Italian Restaurant. So taking an insp- taking some inspiration um, from a dish of his homeland called Pasta Vongoli, he hand-mashed the liquid from baby clams and mixed the juice with tomato, alcohol, and seasoning. Oh, wow. And then he, uh, so he's basically trying to recreate the, you know, a flavor similar to a pasta dish. Yeah. Is uh, so where that came from. And then he experimented for almost three months before he became came the came up with the perfect mix that he called the Caesar. So when he did it, there happened to be uh, you know when he finally got it all right, there happened to be a British man at the bar who tasted it and declared, "Walter, that's a damn good bloody Caesar." <laughs> do you want to do it with an accent, honey? No, you. I would want to hear your accent. That was my accent. Oh, do it again. I, there wasn't an accent. Oh, do it. Do it with an accent then. Walter, Walter, that's a damn good bloody Caesar. Hey, that's pretty good. Was it? High five. Did it sound yeah. British I or could did tell it you sound really, Australian? I could tell you really put your uh, muscles into that one, though. Yeah, you're just, yeah. Uh, anyway, so yeah, so he called it a damn good bloody Caesar, and that's how it got its more formal name, known as the Bloody Caesar. Well, and then the Duffy Mott Company... Um, made life easier for bartenders and Caesar lovers alike by introducing Mott's Clamato cocktail so that you wouldn't have to be, you know, trying to find ways to get that juice out of those clams. Is there actual, ju- like, clam juice in Clamato oh, juice? Oh, yes. Yeah, like actual oh, clam yes, juice. There wow. is. Interesting. Absolutely. Many clams have given their lives for yeah. a good Caesar. Wow. So by the mid-1970s, it was one of the most popular drinks in Calgary. Wow. And, uh, and then it basically spread across the country. Did you ever hear of the sour toe? And just one more, one more little thing before oh, I go. Oh, about to... the Caesar. Yes. Okay. So Mott's Clamato juice accounts for about ninety-five <laughs> percent of the country's Caesar mixes, and Canadians drank. So this is back in two thousand sixteen that they had these stats. They drank a staggering thirty-three million Mott's Caesars every month. <laughs> Holy that year! Geez. And well over one million Caesars every day. How many clams is that? So Mott's Mott's marketers were behind a petition to Parliament to officially declare it as a national cocktail. So that's probably where Gaffigan got it. And they partnered with the vodka company in promoting a National Caesar Day. 
Wow. Which I don't know what day it is, but we're going to have to look it we're up. Gonna and we're going to have to celebrate never, it. I have to. I have to humbly admit that I've never had a Caesar. Now, what were you saying about a toe? Sour toe. Have you heard about the sour toe cocktail from oh. the Yukon in Dawson City? Was that on when we watched Departures? We watched a show. Yes, Departures, Departures, which is an amazing show, by the way. If you like to travel, and this it's a Canadian show, and I think it's on Netflix. I think it is too. Um, It was, and they go to sort of off the beaten path places, not the typical tourist destinations. So definitely check out Departures. It's a really cool show. Sour toe cocktail. Yeah, yeah. I remember. I remember them talking about it. But yeah, want to give me the little well? It's just a. It's it's at uh, it's at a certain hotel. What's the name of it? so it's in Dawson City? Yeah, it's in Dawson City. And basically, tur- tourists go there all the time. And, and it's, uh, I don't know exactly what's in the actual drink, but except for that there's a mummified toe that's in there. And you have to drink it with the toe. And, and there was one guy who actually, dr- who actually swallowed the toe one time. And he was banished from there forever. And just recently, I don't know exactly how long ago, but recently a guy donated his toe and he died. And that was in his will. And so now there's a new mummified toe in this drink. Okay, because yeah. the other guy swallowed it. Yeah, the guy. And hopefully, sw- they somebody weren't, somebody they weren't aiming it. to try to retrieve it yeah. after the swallowing happened. It's quite a it's quite a history, to be honest. When I think about it, I mean, it would be so you know in 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 uh, in the Yukon, a lot of people would get frostbite. So maybe there's a lot of people losing toes. I don't know. I don't know. So maybe there's a lot of toes to you the know, guy make who, that sour toe cocktail. If Ugh, I remember correctly, does it really taste sour? Ooh, I remember, if picture? I remember correctly, the guy who actually like swallowed the toe, like wrote this like heartfelt letter saying he was so sorry and that he didn't want to like ruin the whole thing and blah blah blah. But I don't think it really worked. I think he was. I think it was really angered a lot of people. Geez, I should have did the research to be honest because I could be making all of this up. <laughs> So don't take any of this. Take it with a grain of Miss salt. Miss Info Quench. <laughs> yeah, Miss Info Quench. <laughs> Misinformation Quench. Yes. <laughs> uh, the mojito. Mm, mojito. So again, lots of debate around the mojito, but according to the Oxford English Dictionary, it probably just takes its name from uh, mojo, which is the Spanish name of a Cuban sauce or marinade that's made with citrus fruit. And so oh. mojito is literally... Little mojo. Little mojo. Give me a little mojo. I wonder if it has anything to do with like, you know, having a good mojo going on. Maybe. I mean, yeah, probably. So, yeah. Mojitos get the fresh mint in it, right? Yes. Yeah, Yeah, the muddled mint and the simple syrup and the, oh, all the goodness. Mm -hmm. It's, yeah, it's some good stuff. They were really good. You don't, can't really, I mean, you can get them here with fresh mint, I think, but it's very rare. It's hard. Well, yeah, mint, fresh mints are more expensive here, Mm -hmm. I think. Sticking with uh, Cuba, the Cuba Libre. Cuba Libre, rum and coke. Yes, yeah. that's right, rum and coke. So, uh, and often with a twist of lime. Yeah. So they're quite certain that th- that particular drink came around during the Spanish-American War, which is around 1900 or so. And it was invented, um, well, it could have been invented either by an American soldier or a Cuban bartender. Yeah. I'm not sure. But it literally translated into free Cuba. So it celebrates that, you know, the island of cuba's independence from spain right right wow. so it's kind of neat that it was developed during the war and that it was... used to be my favorite drink of all rum and cokes but i just can't i can't drink the coke anymore the pepsi you know oh yeah those are uh yeah those too many of them and catch up to you yeah they can be pretty bad but i enjoy them though. you ever seen rum when it or coke when it comes back up 
Oh, once you take out the liquid, it it kind of comes up almost in strings. <laughs> why? Why are you? Why are you saying this? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Cover your ears, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> I remember holding back somebody's hair one time when they were. Oh God. <laughs> in my university days, and trying to console them through a night of. Were you saying libres. the whole time no more and I was libres at, for you? I was looking at him like, oh, never anything with Coca-Cola. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sorry. If it's you okay. had a weak stomach, you've probably already muted us. You know what? This is this podcast us. is making me want to drink. Is it even after that story? Well, maybe not, maybe not you know, rum and Cokes, but uh, everything else. Let's talk about the martini. Martini. So typically, shaken, not stirred. So it's widely believed to have gotten its name really just because it was made, um, it, it usually is made with either gin or vodka, but um, it also is paired with uh, gin, gin or vodka and vermouth. So martini and Rossi's vermouth was often uh, used when the cocktail was originally developed. So that's the brand of that's vermouth. That's the name of the company? Yeah. It's, uh, oh. it's a, it, that's the brand of vermouth, martini mm. and Rossi. So that's why, why it was called martini. Hmm. Um, now... Again, there's other people think it's, you know, from named after different people or, um, but one thing is for sure, it's uh, widely associated with a Mr. James Bond. Oh, yes. Who's famous for ordering his martinis shaken, not stirred. Does he, did he like them dirty? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. You like yours dirty. I do. Yeah. I love, I, it's because of the olive brine, right? We talked about how much in the last episode, how much I love vinegar. I also love olive brine. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I can't stand, I can't stand all of anything. Well, I like olive oil when I cook, but that's about it. Yeah. Olive oil doesn't really taste like olive. So mm. no, not at all. <laughs> so even though, uh, even though the line was uttered a lot during the movies over the years, uh, the James Bond's movies where he says, you know, shaken, not stirred. It was, um, Apparently, he only orders a shaken drink one time in the original novels, mm-hmm. and it was in the uh, in the novel Casino Royale, and it was actually a martini variant of his own invention, which he named the Vesper. The Vesper. Hmm. Interesting. Very. I thought so. Is there, do you have one there for old fashioned? I do. Oh. Because I love that drink, but I have no idea why it's called an old fashioned. So it actually became popular in the late 1800s. So it old fashioned is in fact quite old. Yeah. Um, and it was uh, to introduce liqueurs into cocktail re- recipes. Oh. So the older, more basic recipes. Um, so what happened was, yeah, before we started introducing liqueurs into cocktail recipes. Uh, the basic recipes omitted them. So it was basically just a mix of whiskey and bitters. Mm-hmm. And so that those old classic whiskey and bitters types of uh, drinks were known as old-fashioned cocktails. Okay. Interesting. So people would order, you know, as people started moving into these more fancy cocktail combinations with all these liqueurs, people would start ordering drinks the old-fashioned way to make sure that they kind of got it the, the traditional. The people who don't like change. Right. <laughs> and and there's it's it's a smorgasbord of alcohol. Well, the typical ingredients are 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 kept pretty simple and basic. It's a a little bit of sugar, simple syrup, um, a splash or two of uh, bitters, and then usually just an ice cube in the liquor. So the liquor could be Irish uh, or rye whiskey, mm. bourbon, gin, brandy, rum. Oh, it could be anything. Interesting. Yeah. So. There you go. So yeah. it's just getting in the drink the old-fashioned way. Yeah. So it can, yeah, it can be quite a few different combinations. Yeah. 
Which is true. I've I've heard people say that, you know, they order an old fashioned one establishment and it's quite different than what might be the standard old fashioned in another. Yeah. All right. We have time for another one? We have time for another one. No problem. All right. Um let me see here. A lot of do, drinks. Do, do. There are there a lot, are of, a lot drinks. of drinks. Pina colada. It's that simple. Pina colada actually just means strained pineapple in Spanish. Oh. Uh, yeah, I, which I is obviously a, quite a, com, a strong, you know, a big component of a pina colada. Um, which is weird because I always thought the colada somehow meant the coconut piece. Yeah. But yeah, pina colada, those actual words are strained pineapple. And it was uh, born in Puerto Rico. Wow. And became the area's national drink in 1978. That was a good year. I like pina I like getting lost in the rain, too. So one story is that there was a bartender at uh, a Hilton hotel, the Creep Hilton Hotel in San Juan, who developed the recipe. And, uh, and of course, the recipe is uh, traditionally just rum, coconut cream, and pineapple juice. And there's a local drink, too, you know, called the Dave Matthews. Oh, Did you yes. know about that? I've heard of this. Have you drink. had a Dave Matthews? I have not. I have not had a Dave oh, Matthews. Oh, actually, you know either. what? I may have once. I Did may you? have once. Well, it was made by the fella who runs and owns the Capitol Bar in Fredericton, New Brunswick. And he just made it when Dave Matthews music was playing and he didn't know what to call it. And so he called it Dave Matthews. Wow. I yeah. wonder if Dave Matthews himself has ever the had drink. a Dave Matthews. I don't know. That would be amazing because, and as far as I know, you can only get those locally around here. Nobody else really, I don't think, anyways, knows about the cocktail called Dave Matthews. Right, and there's not a lot of musicians who have cocktails named after them no. that are. No, I don't think so either. Yeah, but it's interesting though. Yeah, I don't know if that's just strictly local or not, but yeah, we need a we need a Brett Mason drink. Yeah, there you go. You know, Brent rather not Brett. Brent. Sorry, sorry, Brett. Brent. Brett, Brent. <laughs> Anyways, thanks for listening, everybody. Oh, we need another drink. Yes. <laughs> we'll see you in the next uh, installment of InfoQuench. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can catch up on past episodes at InfoQuench.com. Or just about anywhere else you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And help spread the word about InfoQuench. Till, Till next time. time.